Talking Heads is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code TALKING at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. And we're also sponsored by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal. Pay for your ticket, get to your seat, download the SeatGeek app, and enter our code TALKING for $20 off your first tickets. And welcome to the inaugural edition of Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein in Connecticut. Still, I'll explain why in a moment. In Washington is Mark Stern. Hello, Mark. Hey, Bram. How you doing, man? You know, for the majority of you who, who are downloading this first one, I'm going to assume that you know my work either from Washington with Mark, which we'll get into momentarily when I covered the Redskins and had radio shows in Washington, or you know of me over the last seven years at ESPN. And thanks to Richard Deitch for putting out a shout out on his media podcast on SI uh, for us as well. I, I actually didn't hear it, so I assume it was positive, but who knows? Maybe it wasn't. I'll take the publicity either way. That's the majority of you, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for caring about my career because it is continuing today. It's the first time I've actually been on air doing anything of this length for about five months. So if I'm a little rusty, screw you. Uh, as for the people <laughs> who don't <laughs> know who I am, I don't know how you found this. I'm appreciative of the fact that you found this. And I want to thank Panoply personally for, for uh, allowing us to do this, for allowing Mark and I to get back together. It's been a long time for us. Uh, for cross-promoting this launch here a little bit. And we're hoping that what you're going to get out of this over however many weeks, months, years we end up doing this is sports radio for people um, that don't like listening to mouth breathers. And that's what I'm really hoping will end up being the end result. As for Mark, what, Mark, what do you want people to know about you? I want them to know that I've been uh, recently let out of jail. So I'm excited to be <laughs> uh-huh. uh, a free. And I've I let myself out of jail but personally, so I'm on my own recognizance. No, it, uh, you know what? For those that don't remember, and I know you're going to get into this, uh, the show that you and I did uh, here in D.C., gosh, it's got to be, what, like a decade ago now that we did that? Yes, was, more than that. More than, I was at ESPN for seven years, so it was longer than that. It has to be wow. like 12, 13 years, yeah. It was so much fun. It was. Did we talk sports? Yeah, but we ended up doing so much stuff that was like all the characters that we did. In fact, I did a character that I love so much. We call him Uncle Morty, and he was yeah. like your uncle that – was I, I guess so convincing that your mom asked you after the show one day is he actually related to us yes <laughs> you're like, no, it's actually, you're I'm like no you would know if you have a brother named Morty and you don't yeah <laughs> right so, exactly yeah uh, it is nice uh you know for for those and I've had a lot of very nice tweets from people when I've started telling people that I'm going to be doing this with you that they loved the show we used to do so I'm happy and I'm happy that we have this platform to be able to do it and I'm uh, obviously I'm tickled that uh, that Panoply was willing to want to do this with us as for ESPN, I promise that over the course of time, I will get into why I'm not working there anymore. Um, I'm not entirely certain legally what I can tell you about it. So in general, I'm not going to talk openly about it. But that said, because I left, that was kind of a traumatic decision that I made on my own. And so over the course of time, you, the listeners, are going to unfortunately be my psychiatrist <laughs> because for, you know, for a long time, I've had to kind of deal with why did I do that? And there are for reasons that I will explain. But essentially, all you need to know is they put a contract in front of me that I didn't like and I didn't accept it and I left. And so here we are now and I will be back on TV soon. I just don't know where and when and that'll all work out. So blah, blah, blah. Let's get into a show because I'm sure you're sick of hearing us talk about ourselves now week one of the NFL season occurred so I I just want to say a few things about that 
um, as we start this show, uh, because this is a sports show and it is going to be about the media and how things are presented. But I want to tell you about a few things that I've already noticed in the first week and, and see if you agree with me here, Mark. Um, the Bills, who have not been in the playoffs since uh, the turn of the century, are going to be in the playoffs this year. Uh, yeah. One, because they have a dynamic team. Two, because they made a bold decision, not unlike me, to start Tyrod Taylor, who no one thought could be a starter, but he's going to be perfect for them. And because Rex Ryan is going to become the most popular figure in Western New York since Jim Kelly. They are going to end up in the playoffs this year. Yeah, that that to me was... I, I, I wrote that down as an easy win for the Colts. I was like, you know, enough with Ryan. Tyrod Taylor, who is this guy? None of this is going to matter. It's the same old story with the Bills. And they came out swinging, and they made Andrew look Andrew Luck look like a chump yesterday. Yes. Um, as for the guy who uh, Andrew Luck replaced Peyton Manning, he's going to kind of suck this year. Mm, yeah. and, and this is going to be it for him uh, until the Redskins give him some eight-year, $267 million contract that he'll ne- never see a penny of, but will put them in like cap hell for the next 15 years. But uh, short of someone as stupid as them doing something as stupid as that, I think this is it for Peyton Manning, and you are seeing really, truly the beginning of the end of one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, he really, he looked like at halftime that he might just slip up to the booth because you know he's going to go into the booth at some point, and it'll, it'll probably be great, but yeah, he appears to be a little bit long in the tooth now. Or Jim Ursay is going to lose the Colts in some drug deal gone wrong, and he's going to end up buying them from the NFL. <laughs> so that, that is more likely because I think he owns 8,000 Papa John's, so he is going to be extraordinarily rich. He's going to be one of those people who probably own a team at some point in time. And as predicted in my little writing space, metalkathlete.blogspot.com, I know you'll never remember that, but as predicted there, I said the Rams are going to win the NFC West. And I will tell you why, not just because they beat the Seahawks, who is everyone's favorite to get back to the Super Bowl, but because of what I call the virus. Everything Pete Carroll does, based on what happened to the Super Bowl, is going to be scrutinized, and it's going to become the virus. So every time they do anything wrong, like, I don't know, mishit a kickoff in overtime or not make it on a fourth and one in overtime to extend a game is going to be scrutinized to a degree that it shouldn't be scrutinized because of what happened in the Super Bowl. And then that is going to make everyone turn Lord of the Rings in that locker room. And I don't think they're going to end up having what would be deemed a great season. They might win nine or 10 games, but that's going to be a down year for Seattle. And that's why I think St. Louis is actually going to steal that division this year. It was a huge win for St. Louis and yeah, you know, it's not like Seattle sort of had a happy-go-lucky attitude in that locker room before all this stuff went down. And, and you know, they, they won a Super Bowl. They came really close last year. And, you know, teams like that, like you said, when things start to go sideways and south, it just implodes. Yes, and that's what's going to end up happening here. Now, the story I've wanted to get to uh, for week one is this. And as at the time of this taping, the Eagles haven't played their first game yet. They play tonight. We're taping on a Monday, and they open on Monday Night Football against Atlanta. But the outcome of the game, when you hear this, because the game will be over by the time this you actually hear this, it doesn't matter uh, because the story I want to talk about is the thing that occurred a week ago, and that was that the Eagles are going to begin the season without Tim Tebow on their roster, which should be no surprise. But because a couple of days prior they had cut or traded Matt Barkley, who was the guy he was vying to be a third-string quarterback with, everyone assumed he was going to make the team. Um, in the end, he did not. They cut him, and Chip Kelly, their coach, who 
has sociopathic tendencies, and we'll get into that momentarily, basically said that Tim Tebow is just not good enough to be a third-string quarterback, which was the most honest thing I've heard said about him for about six years now. Tim Tebow is not good enough, and everyone needs to get this in your head. But for some reason, his name has carried some kind of bizarre weight, interest, and curiosity among sports fans, that I, the likes of which I've never seen in being in the sports media for 20 years. I mean, here's the reality. Sam Bradford is their quarterback. He's the former number one pick. They traded Nick Foles to get him. They're already discussing a contract extension, which means if he does resign with the Eagles, which is if he has a pretty good season and stays healthy, which is more important for him, that's going to be in the 15 to $20 million a year range, which means even if Tim Tebow made the team, he would never play. He would never actually take this guy's job. That would never actually occur. And as for Chip Kelly, he's already cut LaShawn McCoy, who, in my opinion, is if not the best running back in the NFL, one of them, one of the two or three. And he's already cut Deshaun Jackson, who if he's not the best deep threat in the NFL, he's close to it, and he's in the conversation about it. So he doesn't care who you are or what you've done. Therefore, Tim Tebow is going to be treated like every other player. There's not going to be some kind of weird rationale made that we should keep him on the team for some kind of PR reasons. He's just not going to go through with that. And yet, even as he failed to secure anything with his fourth NFL team, this was a major news item a week ago. Why? I don't know. I lived this at ESPN three, four, five years ago now. I watched this and what it became, and it was this massive, unprecedented, bizarre media firestorm for every movement that Tim Tebow made, even though anybody who is rational and has ever watched football before should know he wasn't good enough. He never was good enough, and he was never going to be good enough. But yet, somehow, he became ratings gold. And I've never understood particularly why. Skip Bayless, who was the ESPN First Take personality, went all in. There were countless days in a row that that show basically discussed Tebow as great because, quote, he wins and nothing else matters, even though that only lasted for a few games of one particular season. Michael Irvin, who I respect, is one of the greatest receivers of all time, would go on the NFL Network and refer to him as God's son on the air. I mean, it had gotten, you recall this, right? This had gotten so out of hand that your eyes were telling you there was just no chance he was ever going to be great, and yet we talked about him as if he was Tom Brady. It never made any sense to me. I think one of the reasons why everybody kept talking about him was because he had this personality that everybody sort of loved him and he seemed like this genuinely nice guy and they want, they almost look like they, they wanted him to succeed. But when he gets out on the field, you're right. He, I mean, it didn't matter where he was and he had that nice little run with Denver, but it didn't matter. Everybody that took a look at him said, yeah, maybe we can find a way to make his talents work. But, he just can't. He's not an NFL-caliber quarterback. He was a great college quarterback, an unbelievably great college quarterback, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a guy that can play at the pro level. What do you think it was, though? Is it the God stuff? I think it was the God stuff. I think there was like a genuineness to him that sort of like was appealing. You know, Listen, I, to me, it was sort of an unexplained phenomenon. Because you're right, because it was like, and when this resurfaced with Philly, you're like, oh my, really? We're gonna yes. go. We're gonna go through this again. And I thought when they cut, and I forgive me for forgetting who the guy that they cut like a day before. 
Barkley, uh, Matt Barkley. Right, and you're like, all right, well, here we go. The, the Chip right. Kelly, the Mad Titans. He's going to make the team, He's gonna and they're going to use him in work. some weird way. Right. right, They're going to use him on the goal line or something, and that made sense because they're like, okay, so they're going to use him in some weird way that's hard to defend. But he's not leading anybody to a Super Bowl anytime soon, and yet people talk about him like he is some iconic figure of quarterbacking, and it's just clearly not true. No. And by the way, I think you're mispronouncing. I think it's Tebow. Tebow, is it? I, I also think, listen, the virgin stuff for some reason was important to people. Well, it was. And, his, and, and, like, and, and no one wants to say this, but his whiteness was important to people. For some reason, there was something about him being his whiteness. It mattered. It mattered for some level. Now, I, I read this recently. Urban Meyer, who won championships with him at Florida, his college coach said that his career has been, quote, derailed, okay, because people are spooked of the coverage that he brings. Instead of, which I'm sitting here going, are you blind, man? Like, (laughs) he's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Russell Wilson, for that matter. He is never going to be a player like that. And so I don't understand, to Urban's point, I don't understand the coverage of it. And yet I don't understand why anyone sits there and goes, he's going to end up being great at the position. I've never understood this. But there's a lesson to be learned from all of this because I lived it at ESPN. They're came a point where the majority of us that worked on the air kind of quietly started to revolt to this idea that we needed to talk about this every day because it became so asinine. It became so obvious to us who were supposed to be experts in the field to stop talking about this as much as we were. And my lesson is to the people at CNN and Fox News and MSNBC who are trying to fool you, the public, because here's how Tib Tebow is lasting and is what his lasting memory is going to be for me. It is that he somehow generated the most bizarre clickbait of all time and the most bizarre viewer bait of all time. And there is something happening in the world that is very similar to me right now. Donald Trump is not going to be the president of the United States. <laughs> Nothing that he does is presidential, not a thing. And yet somehow He is dominating the coverage of all of these major news outlets, and I know why. I know why. He drives ratings in the same way that Tebow somehow inexplicably drove ratings for no good reason. And it's the same thing that's happening in the campaign right now, right? There's no reason to be covering Donald Trump to the extent that a valid news organization is covering them other than for some reason there is a weird fascination with a person who's not going to get the job. He is making millions and millions of dollars for CNN and Fox News and MSNBC because for some reason people are tuning in to see him even though they have to know deep down there is no way he is ever going to get the nomination from the Republican Party. I think he probably started doing this thing as a lark. He's like, hey, it's a great marketing gimmick. And all of a sudden, it's caught fire. And like you said, the, the, the longer it goes on, every network is like, well, we gotta we gotta keep covering him. I mean, this is legit now. He's you know he's all you know, he's thirty two percent or thirty five percent or whatever. And the longer it goes on, it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. We did the same thing though with Tebow. We would take these polls. We would take these stupid polls that don't mean anything <laughs> and ask stupid questions like, "Do you think he'll ever be a good quarterback? Yes or no?" And then we turn that into news. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Like they no. So they're doing the same thing now. They're taking polls 
this many months out saying, would you vote for Donald Trump? Well, yeah, if for some re- if for some reason it became presidential to mention people's menstrual cycles, <laughs> like how that matters in a presidential race, I don't know. Nothing this guy is doing is, and, and don't get me wrong here, I, I don't want this taken the wrong way. I actually love Tim Tebow. I worked with him. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. He was a fantastic quarterback. I'm saying this for the sake of being an expert in sports, as I'm supposed to be. I know for a fact he'll never be a great NFL quarterback. I would say as an outside viewer of politics, I know enough to know that this guy will not be the president. As much as I'm enjoying the fact that he is part of this race, because I'm actually interested in it at this <laughs> to the degree that I am at this level sure. right now. I would never have watched a Republican debate a year out from the actual you know, Republican Party convention, except for the fact that I knew Donald Trump was going to be there and was probably going to make fun of the other candidates. Yeah, it's car crash TV. I mean, you, you, yes. there's at least a 4% chance that a fist fight might break out. And that's worth watching just in of itself. So he is the strangest thing to happen to the campaign trail in the same way that Tebow was to NFL quarterbacking. All right, let's call Chris. Hey, thanks for joining us. No sweat. Anything for Mark. Not really. <laughs> yeah, he is really. He's so cute. Yeah, he's gorgeous. Really he's a gorgeous, him. gorgeous man. Anyway. I'm wearing a uh, uh, one of those Hello Kitty t-shirts right now. No one right wants now. to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Eliza writes uh, The Fix for the Washington Post. He covers politics for one of the greatest newspapers in the world. He joins us now. Um, is that a fair comparison? He's your, t- he's your Tim Tebow? <laughs> well, mm, yes and no. Uh, he's definitely good for ratings, like Tebow is. Uh, I, he, he has an unnatural skill set. Uh, let's say that. He has a less than traditional skill set, so that's similar. But I will say, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I will say I see a scenario by which, and I, I don't think it's the likeliest scenario. I, I wouldn't even say it's a 20% scenario, but I do see a scenario by which Donald Trump winds up being the Republican presidential nominee. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's more likely than Tim Tebow starting an NFL game again. No, 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 no. This can't possibly be yes. true. Okay, it, it can't possibly be true because I sit there, I looked at Bill Belichick and Chip Kelly, who both coached Tim Tebow, and I go, there is no way that either one of these men will ever actually let him be the starting quarterback. So I'm looking at the Republican Party and going, there is no way they're going to actually ever let him get the nomination and run for president. Well, look, I mean, as as the uh, author of something that was entitled, you know, back in May, the one chart that explains why you don't need to take Donald Trump seriously. I'm not sure I'm the, uh, the expert on, on the guy, but I will say, like, he has built a real constituency. Uh, Washington posted a poll uh, out this week. He's leading the Republican field with 33% of the vote. And, like, that's amazing in and of itself, right? But Ben Carson, who has never run for anything else before, the pediatric neurosurgeon, uh, is at 20 so that's 53% of Republican primary voters who are for either, like, the real estate reality star guy or the pediatric neurosurgeon guy, none, neither of whom have any experience in politics. And I would argue that's probably at least part of the reason that they're where they are, because they have no yeah, experience I, in politics. I get The neurosurgeon, at least, at least he's not bringing up people's menstrual cycles I, or... You know, yes. or calling, you know, whole countries of people rapists yep. and talking about building walls and all and calling women names and getting into fights with major anchors. I, what I don't get is 
why is this resonating with people? Okay, so I have spent uh, an inordinate and probably unhealthy amount of time thinking about this uh, <laughs> because, I mean, it, it, it's the central question, right? Uh, you look at him, you look at what he says, and you think this is a 10-minute story, right? He goes up, he goes down, he goes away. He has not gone away. I think it, there's a couple reasons. One is because he has built this sort of politicians are both dumb and unsuccessful, so you need someone who's the furthest thing from one of them possible. He is literally, almost by definition, in terms of how he approaches this stuff, one of the furthest things away from a sort of traditional Jeb Bush politician possible. That's true. And it, I, I never know if this is accidental or on purpose. If it's on purpose, he's a genius. If it's accidental, he's the luckiest guy in the world. He has sort of built this cocoon around himself that anything he says or does, including the one that always amazes me is questioning John McCain's status as a POW. Basically yeah. saying, like, I like, I like my uh, soldiers, who, I like the ones who don't get captured. Uh. Like, I mean, that would kill any other candidacy. I mean, you just, you couldn't, get, the idea of, like, insulting a guy who, whether you agree or disagree with McCain, like, fundamentally his story is, you know, it's been six years in, in Hanoi, tortured, he can't lift his arms above his head. You know, I mean, he's a, he is an American hero, no matter his politics. Trump not only got away with that, but he went up. And I think it's because, like it, or I won't even say like it or dislike it, agree with it or disagree with what he says, people like that he's willing to say things. One last thing. I do think for a lot of people, he is sort of the realization of the American dream. Uh, that American dream being you are rich enough to tell every single person you meet exactly what you think of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's what he does. And every time he does it, he goes up in the polls. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to emphasize that people aren't in politics, but I've literally Literally never seen anything like this before, ever. Yeah, I, I guess I'm jealous of it. I'm, I'm oh my god, near, it's the greatest. I'm nowhere, story. I'm nowhere near rich enough to, to yell at anybody and just call them names. That's, I, I'm just, yeah, I, very yeah. few of us have that kind of money. Yeah, <laughs> um, admit this though, and you have to agree with me with this. The news organizations are all in on this because of ratings and nothing else. That for some reason they, this is resonating in a way, and we all know. And I lived this at ESPN. The cord cutters are changing the dynamic of the television industry, and you have to glom on to particular things to try to draw as much viewership as you can. And Donald Trump brings in viewers whether you think he's going to be president or not. Well, let, right? me, let me agree with the second part, which I couldn't disagree with, which is, yes, there's no question Donald Trump drives eyeballs. He drives ratings. He, you know, I mean, look, 24 million people watched the Fox debate last month. Uh, if Donald Trump wasn't in it, 2 million people would watch it, maybe. Right. right. I mean, so, so, so that's a fact. That said, we in the media get a lot of criticism, particularly on this in this regard, because, like, well, you made Trump. And I always say to people, look, Trump is at 33 percent in the post poll. Do you think 33 percent? And they're largely conservative Republicans. Those are not the people who are taking their marching orders from Chris Lisson, the Washington Post. Right. There's something that now do we cover him? Yes, we absolutely cover him. But I will tell you, I mean, when he got into the race, I and many other people, because I was just looking at the numbers, said there's just no way like this is undoable you know the guy was round he was totally known and roundly disliked by the republican party and i looked at that and thought how do you change that um so it's not as though his press when he got in was good he he sort of persevered anyway and again like if you think that a third of republican primary voters are you know taking their cues off of what the New York Times, the Washington Post, CBS, ABC, and NBC do, um, you know, I'll take you to a Republican convention sometime yeah. and let you know how they feel about us. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it, listen, we, we, I, listen, I lived it at ESPN. The criticism started to grow and grow and grow because they stopped talking about Tim Tebow. Stop talking about Tim Tebow. It's enough. And there's this wave of publicity occurred, and then all of a sudden he had followers, and people were showing up to camp right. and demanding teams keep him there. And so it was, it was feeding one another, and it was bizarre. But it did jump a shark at a certain point, um, and, which I feel like might happen here. And, and at one point, Fox Sports started attacking ESPN, basically making fun of constantly that ESPN, right. and the, I'll the use Tebow we at the focus. time— we, we you're just your team. You're too Tebow focused. So, I can envision one of these news organizations. Can you eventually turning on the other one and saying, "We're done with this. This is a farce," you know, and we're going to we're going to show your viewers how stupid they are for watching you to continue talking about this all well, the time. Well, so this isn't ESPN versus Fox, but it is you know in my world a relatively big deal. Like two months ago, Huffington Post announced that it wasn't going to cover Trump in its news section. It was going to cover him in their entertainment section. Because they felt sort of fundamentally like that's what he was. Well, that was 20 points ago for Trump. You know, <laughs> like I mean, the hard thing is is that after that playoffs in Denver, I don't know that there were a lot of people who were like, you know, people said Tebow deserves a chance. Tebow should be on a roster. Maybe he should be a tight tight end. You know, maybe he can be a backup. Maybe he can come in to change things up right in the pistol or whatever. But I don't think there were a lot of people saying like Tebow is a starter and everyone needs to give him a chance. Like the situation here is like Donald. Like this is a fact as of today. Donald Trump is the front runner for the Republican presidential nomination. Like, like there is no debate, and it's not just today. For two months, he has led in national polls. He's ahead in Iowa, New Hampshire, the states that vote first. Like that may absolutely change, and I would say. If it changes, if he fades and he's still getting this amount of attention, then I'm with you, which is like that's just a ratings play, right? That's just yeah. that's just because we know we can continue to sort of pull blood from that stone. But as of right now, like he's being covered like the front runner because amazing and look, it is amazing. Amazingly, he is the front runner. He's being covered like he should be. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, if the NFL commissioner job was publicly voted on, I think Tim Tebow could run for it and win it. Right. So they're, they're actually somewhat similar in that vein. All right, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Um, you know, I, I've, I've wondered for a long time, you know, because it felt like the Tebow discussion as, as a sports broadcaster was dumbing down the conversation too mm-hmm. much. It, it, because it got to the point where it's like, listen, like he's never going to be this. I don't know how many times I have to say this right. to you, but he's There's never going to be this. So get, I just please, you know, I'm trying to be respectful because I actually like the guy, you know, right. so like, can we just stop this? So I wonder in your view, is Trump good for the game? Because I thought the political game, because for us, it got to the point where I'm like, Tebow isn't good for the game anymore. We're getting away from where the game should be going. Is Trump good for the political game? Gosh, it depends how you define game. If you define it in terms of, like, entertainment value, yes, because, I mean, the guy is, like, a consummate entertainer. If you define it as the future of our country, you're a little bit more gray area. (laughs) You know, I mean, like, he is good in that look. And this is the point some Republicans have made, which I think is smart, because you don't really want to attack him because then he'll attack you tenfold. But 24 million people watch that Fox News debate. I mean, that's un. Real. There's a debate coming up this week. You're going to see a similar number. You know, I mean, he's drawing eyeballs to it. Now, is he doing it in the way that the Republican establishment would like? No. Would they have real concerns if he was a nominee? Yes. But it is September. It is not, you know, next January. So I think they're okay with it right now, though I think they're starting to get worried that sort of the Trump effect is going to erode out their brand in the long run. You know, it's like it's been good to get attention, but now I think like the Jeb Bushes of the world would be happy if Donald Trump would just sort of go quietly into the night, which, of course, people like Donald Trump, or there is no one else like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not planning to do. 
Yeah, the truth is, if Tim Tebow ever was a quarterback for the Jets, that really won't affect many people's lives. But if Donald Trump was oh, meeting with the president right. of Iran, that could be a real problem yeah, down the politics road. Politics is a little bit different. I know I love sports, but yes, the stakes are a little higher. Well, th- this is why I'm rooting for the fellow named D's Nuts to win uh, on some level in Iowa. Presidential. Yeah, he's uh, he has 15% in a recent poll. It's like a 19-year-old kid. It just shows you how much we love America. Ladies and gentlemen, your next president of the United American States, democracy. D's Nuts. Yep. That's how it At goes. this juncture, I'd believe anything. Yeah, I mean, that's what I always – like, I, 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 I was – on some show talking about is like the last debate. Like obviously, I knew Trump was going to be there, right? He had qualified; he was right in the center of the stage. But like when the lights came up, and there he was, he's like standing next to Jeb Bush. You're like, I can't. Like at some level, this is absolutely amazing. Like, I can't believe this is happening, even though I knew it was going to. Like the actual seeing of it is, I mean, it's a look. It's a, as a reporter, it's an amazing story. Amazing. I don't know where it heads. Like, I have literally no idea, but it's been an amazing story. Kind of an amazing summer. Chris, thanks so much for your time. Hell, thank you for having me. You can read Chris Saliza's work in the Washington Post. His blog is called The Fix. The NFL is finally back in action. Everybody's playing fantasy football. Missed out on a preseason draft. Well, FanDuel has you covered, and now you can play with up to $200 in bonus cash with our call, with our code, talking you've probably heard of FanDuel somewhere before here's what it's all about FanDuel is the leader in one week fantasy football more winners more payouts than any other site including 75 million a week this football season we all love fantasy football but a lot of fans miss out because the whole season is too much of a time commitment but FanDuel does away with all of that you can draft a team anytime drop into tournaments for weekly cash prizes entry fees start at just a buck so there's a league for everybody week one NFL games are already live in the FanDuel lobby so you don't have to wait another day to start building your teams over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel and now It's your turn. Go to FanDuel.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code TALKING and sign up now. There's a special offer for new users for every dollar you deposit. FanDuel is going to match it up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my code TALKING today. So don't get left out. Don't forget to use that code talking fanduel.com where every day is a new season that's f-a-n-d-u-e-l.com try it out today and welcome back to talking heads i'm bram weinstein with mark sturd so the nfl season started so did the college football season and kansas state's game with south dakota about a week and a half ago was one of those who cares you know big program no one really considers relevant to the national discussion this year against a, a small school cupcake in south dakota but then halftime happened And the Kansas State Band, which is renowned, came out on the field and they did a performance, Mark, um, that was um, supposed to include basically Star Wars and Star Trek. They were doing some kind of space exploration themed show for the fans there. Okay, right. Really? It was. Yes, it was aimed at you. Correct. (laughs) Yes. For some reason, nerds of the world wanted to see the (laughs) halftime show at the Kansas State South Dakota game. Right. Anyway, um, in one moment of it, there was supposed to be a depiction of the Starship Enterprise from Star Trek crashing into the logo of the arch rival of them, KU, Kansas, which didn't really make a tremendous amount of sense because they were playing South Dakota. But regardless of that, listen, that's their biggest game of the year. La, la, la. So they, they took a shot at Kansas. So that's what they did. Um, 
But when you see this virally, because people in the stands <laughs> took pictures of it from up above, and it went on social media, this also doubled as a giant purple penis entering a Jayhawk. Yes. The school got warned of, quote, sportsmanship and ethical conduct issues. They ended up paying a fine of $5,000 that a number of people on campus are, like, rallying to try to pay for them. And their director, Frank Trax, has received threats on the Internet for doing what he did. Uh, He is now has to show all routines to school officials before they go on the field, and he is not going to be able to attend a game in November. Do you take issue with the idea that potentially Kansas State (laughs) showed something that I think anybody who's in their right mind knows they didn't mean to do but could have accidentally done something that was lewd? Uh, I think that they needed to look at that and see it. Somebody needed to be up in like the 400 level watching it on the field and say and practice and say, yeah, unless we're trying to appeal to Peter North and a whole different demographic, we need to not do this particular routine because it doesn't look like what you think it looks like. It looks like something that's pretty gross. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, if you and I were in charge of bands, see, this would be a problem because, like, I would be like, how are we going to portray penetration this week? <laughs> right. We got, we got to get really creative this week, guys. Yeah. Let's dig deep. That said, okay, for anyone who, and, and I'm sure most of you are now going to go look at this and check it out on YouTube or wherever, just, just put in K-State Band South Dakota Boom. or, you know, Purple Penis, and you will actually see, this will pop up for you. Don't you have to know list. who the... Yeah, you have to know who the, yeah, don't actually don't put that in your Google because you don't want to know what's going to come up. You'll probably get arrested. Anyway, if you want to, if you have any questions as to whether this person did this on purpose, the person who runs the band, his name is Frank Trax. He got his master's at Wisconsin in 1980. He got a doctorate in philosophy from Ohio State in 1987, and he's been at Kansas State since 1993. And recently, his band won a trophy called the Suddler Trophy, which is like the Heisman for marching bands. And in fact, they were going to be honored for this on September 19th on, quote, band day. So here's tracks to ESPN.com on his penis formation. Quote, it's nuts. It's just stupid. I had no intent of doing anything on the field that was lewd. I've been doing this for almost 40 years. And if anyone thinks I'm going to throw my career away and do something and throw the Suddler away by doing something stupid on the field and thinking that it's funny, you don't know me at all. Not sure I would have led with a line on his part saying this is nuts. (laughs) (laughs) that's just me yeah that was his one mistake there it's nuts (laughs) (laughs) Michael can you hear us hear you great okay hi Michael how are you thank you for joining us today sure thank you I appreciate it let's welcome in Michael Barish who's one of the founders of collegemarching.com it's a site that is dedicated to college marching bands. Uh, Michael, I believe the Kansas State band director, I think anyone who has any sense whatsoever believes him that they didn't do this on purpose. So why didn't the school or the conference or anyone else back him up and not fine him or force him to miss an event later this year? The whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. You're, you're talking about a situation, your week one, college football, it's halftime show. You're talking about kids who potentially have never marched uh, on a field before. And uh, you're expecting them to hit their dots and marks perfectly to create a pretty complex formation that's moving across the field. 
And I think you had a situation where people jumped to conclusions and uh, made something out of nothing, um, saw what they saw, and, and really pushed things to a place where they shouldn't have gone. I think the university in today's day and age, you see universities who get thousands of tweets and Facebook messages, emails, phone calls. They have to react right away. You have presidents who are being called, and people say, is this was this done on purpose? Did the kids go out of line and come together and do this to, uh, you know, screw over the school, so on and so forth? It's just absolutely ridiculous. And I think that in today's day and age, you have to respond right away. People want, uh, you know, negative reactions to be what they see. And, and uh, it's a situation for Kansas State and the band director there where, uh, you know, he was really a victim of today's digital age where everybody has an opinion right away and it, it can – you know, steamroll and and roll down the hill very quickly, and that's what happened. Yo, know, we I completely agree with you. I, I I want to see if you completely agree with me on this point, though. It does look like male genitalia. <laughs> I think that you can definitely make that uh, assumption in the, looking at that specific picture at that moment. You have to remember that formation was moving across the field, uh, and so when any formation is moving across the field. It's going to be changing. So the the photo that specifically caught, and if you watch if you watch the actual halftime show, you see you can you can actually see the USS Enterprise. I think that the way that it was designed originally by Dr. Trax there, um, maybe could have potentially been been seen as male genitalia if you're really looking for it. Um, but at the <laughs> end of the day, if you're at the end of the day, Bram, the reality here is that. Kansas State ban is not in trouble because they potentially made male genitalia on the football field. They got in trouble because they made the University of Kansas Jayhawk. Yes. And so yes. I, think, I think the reality here is that the male genitalia spawned this response from the Big 12 and from the university. But at the end of the day, they were not, and the, the statements from Big 12, they were not in trouble because they made male genitalia. They were in trouble because they made the Jayhawk. Yeah. Well, you have a site, and, and I'm online, and, and maybe Dr. Trax didn't know this, but he'll know this now. A lot of people are looking for male genitalia online. And they <laughs> apparently found an example of it um, um, here. Um, let me ask this. Is there some form of quality control for marching bands like when they're practicing there's someone up in the upper deck going hey that if that goes wrong that's not going to be pretty for us you know i think most bands that's uh, very inherent i think let, let me let's go through let's go through a week for band monday uh big time school you're doing a different halftime show every week so you typically have four rehearsals maybe five to get the formations memorize the music know all your spots hit it practice it get it ready for game day you the first two days you're learning the music hardcore. You're gonna walk through the drill. You're gonna look at the drill. Every single one of those kids is seeing sheet by sheet, unless they have an iPad. They're looking sheet by sheet the formations, where they're going. They have a specific spot that they're following page by page. I think in this situation you had over 300 kids in the band who look at the chart every single day, and I can guarantee you that not a single one of them thought throughout that entire week that hey, by the way, this kind of looks like male genitalia because. Yeah. It does in the chart, and Dr. Trax posted this in his statement. You can clearly see that they intended to make the USS Enterprise, and on a on a two dimensional football field, I think that it can definitely reflect male genitalia in this situation. However, uh, throughout that entire week, they all these stranger kids were looking at it. The band director, the assistant directors, the graduate assistants, they're all looking at it, and you know, 
come Wednesday, come Thursday, come Friday, the show starts to come together, it's still not tight. And I think in, in any situation here, you're going to think, hey, you know, by Saturday morning rehearsal before the game day, we're trying to get our best run through. Um, but come game day and come halftime show, when you get on that field, your nerves are running. When I marched, I missed my spots all the time. You know, and it's one of those things where you're practicing on a field that's been marked up. You uh, are looking at things on the field, little markers that you're trying to remember where you're going so you can pay attention to the music. But when you get onto your, your field in the stadium, those markers are not there. So kids are, have to rely on guiding right, guiding left, covering down, looking at the folks around them. And, you know, if the guy next to you misses his mark or gets excited, gets distracted with something in the field, all of a sudden it gets a little squiggly, gets a little squirmy, and you have some issues. So I think at the end of the day you had a lot of people looking at this, reviewing this, who didn't see an issue with it throughout the week. You get into the actual game day, you get to perform this. It happens to every single band. Things don't go specifically and as perfectly as you have planned, and situations like this happen. How many times have you ever encountered bands that you know actually did something on purpose that was meant to be lewd on the field? Very few. I mean, incredibly few. I think the reality here is that um, the only band that people would probably right away point to doing something like that would be Stanford. And the Stanford band is a student-run organization. Uh, you know, there's very limited interaction from staff or faculty with that specific band. And the kids do, and this is their MO, they do risque halftime shows, and they try to push the boundaries on what they can and can't do. And unfortunately for a lot of kids in that band, they get in trouble. They're on suspension right now. They cannot travel to an away game. Um, and uh, that is a result of some of the things that they've done when they do travel and potentially a impression that folks have of that band. Uh Big-time bands today, Ohio State obviously recently came into a lot of issues uh, in the last few years. But, I mean, find me another band that has, you know, the consistency of getting in trouble besides maybe Stanford. It just doesn't exist because band programs today are constantly being pushed to have a budget that's continuously being cut. And you're not going to have kids who are going out there and risking hurting their organization that they are so passionate about. You're talking about organizations that are over 100 years old with hundreds and hundreds of alumni who come back every single year to march and relive that experience because it is such an incredible experience to be in a college band. And so, you know, for bands to even imagine doing this, getting in trouble, losing their funding, these kids not marching, especially if you go to a big-time school, you are a pinnacle part of the college football experience for 100,000 fans who come to your stadium. I mean, when I think about my time marching in college band, I mean, I get goosebumps. I mean, I was there for some of the best times in, at Penn State football. I mean, seeing the 2005 Penn State-Ohio State game as a student marching in that game, holy smokes. I mean, that was that's an experience I'll never forget. So it, the idea of the band or kids in the band doing anything to jeopardize that is ludicrous. Michael, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Michael Barish is the founder of collegemarching.com. You can learn more there. All right. I want to tell you guys about the best new way to find an amazing deal on NFL and college football tickets. It's called the SeatGeek app. And when you choose our code talking, you'll get $20 off your first ticket buy. The SeatGeek app takes less than a minute to download. It's free on iPhone and Android smartphones. It does a ton of things. 
that other ticketing sites just do not do. Aggregating from the big ticket sites, just like when you search for flights or hotels online, SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of sellers to create one-stop shopping for sports and concert tickets. They also have a great feature called Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a 1 to 100 value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded interactive map of the venue. You can easily identify the best ticket values in the building at a glance. And finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket-buying process seamless, easy, and safe. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket you want to buy, you can complete the purchase with just two quick taps. There's no faster way to buy tickets. To redeem your promo code and save $20 on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app today. Enter the promo code talking in the app seat geek will then send you twenty dollars once you've made your first seat geek purchase if you want to go see the nfl college football or the best concerts use the seat geek app and enter our code talking it saves you 20 bucks so talking heads is a brand new show this is our first version of it in the panoply network and we're really happy to have you along the ride with us we're also excited to have a new classmate alongside with us so at least we're not the only freshman on board Panoply is launching a new show called Getting In. Getting In is a real-time podcast that will follow four New York area seniors drawn from diverse backgrounds across the school year as they go through the wild and challenging process of applying to college. You can find out more about that show on slate.com backslash getting in. And now back to our own new show, Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein with Mark Stern. Michael Barish was talking about Stanford's band being a bunch of dicks so uh <laughs> what did you uh find out about them well uh he's right they, they have been placed on um um i guess they've been suspended and they can't travel to road games um but it doesn't from what i can read and i'm looking on si.com it doesn't appear from stuff that they were doing in marching on the field this is stuff sort of like you know frat violations one band member was given alcoholic concoction intended to make that person vomit publicly an annual trip in which some band members used illegal substances and a band selection process in which individuals were asked a number of inappropriate questions on sexual matters that actually sounds Ooh. like the interview process i had at the radio station <laughs> um, but yeah. uh dan bloom who is here helping us out today did some great research and said that some past themes of the stanford bam yeah. have included polygamy oj simpson oh. the death of chairman mao irish catholics <laughs> Controversial scientific theories, the sack of Troy, and the spotted owl. <laughs> Polygamy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd like to I actually want to see that. So uh, if you uh, tweet at me, Bram ESPN is currently my Twitter handle. Yes, I'm going to change it at some point in time. I just didn't want to do it until I knew where I was going because I like that little check mark I have. I didn't want to lose that. You know so what? Just for now. I'm trying to get one and I because I've had a bunch of people like like ghost me and do fake yeah. Mark Stern Twitter accounts. So I really? Wrote, yeah, wow. I, I, I know. On, uh, honestly, really? Somebody wants to punk me? So I called... I email the Twitter people and I was like, Hey, can I just get a verified account? And they're like, no, <laughs> no. What's your, uh, what's your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, at Mark Stern, M A R C S T E R N E. All right. Bram ESPN, B R A M ESPN. If you have any video or any interesting things about the Stanford band, or uh, if you have giant <laughs> purple penises, you can send that to us. <laughs> Be glad to look at them. And we, of course we appreciate any feedback you want to give us for our first show. Final moments. Um, with you, Mark, is a story I want to tell because it's near and dear to our heart. We worked together a long time ago, and um, and we worked uh, in radio stations in Washington, D.C., and anybody who's ever worked in radio knows that the engineers are the biggest mutants of the bunch. They're, oh, they're, yes. uh, they're a really odd, strange lot. They work yes. really crazy hours, and many of them are 
um, abnormally strange people. And, and it's not, you know, it's, I'm not trying to be mean to the, the profession of it. They just happen to be weirdos, okay? <laughs> In general, they just happen to be weirdos, all right? And, but, you know, they're necessary weirdos because I don't know how to fix the board, okay, right. to make the radio show go. Like, if that goes down, just not, all I know how to do is talk into a microphone. I don't know how to do anything else. So, so we need them. Um, so I, I bring this up because there was a particular person we worked with named Merle, uh, Merle is someone that we've talked about for, God, 15, 20 years running now because of how memorable he actually was. Merle kept a bottle of Jack Daniels in the freezer at the radio station. That tells you a little bit about his work ethic. Yeah. Uh, Merle had a girlfriend who, well, we didn't, <laughs> girlfriend's a strong word for it, right? <laughs> yeah. Girlfriend, girl. He he had a girlfriend that. And this is you know. Er, this is in the days when when pictures on your phone was kind of a new thing. And Merle uh, surprisingly had this technology yes. before I did. And uh, and Merle would show us pictures of his girlfriend in compromising positions, to say yes. the least. Right. And then we Let's met her one day, and I'm sitting there, yeah. The girlfriend might or might not have been on an hourly basis. Let's yes, right, that. exactly. So th- this is Merle, okay? Merle is a drunk person who thinks prostitutes are his girlfriend, okay? And this is the guy who is actually in charge of making our radio show work, okay? <laughs> and, and, like, basically, I'm out of a job if he can't figure out how to do his job. So we rely on him. I mention Merle, and I bring up Merle for one reason and one reason only. There was already a controversy involving the Patriots in their first game after months and months and months of talking about deflated footballs, which maybe at some point I'll go ad nauseum about how ridiculously stupid that was that that went on for as long as it did. But on the first night of the NFL season, the prevailing storyline wasn't that Tom Brady was vindicated and they won and he was great and Gronkowski was great and they beat the Steelers in what was a great opening game for the football season. No, it was about that the Steelers' headsets had the radio broadcast of the Patriots in it instead of the coach is being able to communicate with one another and the Steelers basically insinuated that the Patriots do this to a lot of people and they accused them of malfeasance and said that you know this is what happens when you go to Gillette Stadium and that's what occurs I bring up Merle because how many times Mark do you remember our radio show actually not getting on the air because I don't remember it happening once uh never uh although there were some tricky moments and Merle's great move would you'd say Merle what's going on with that thing with the tower he would put his hands directly above his hands like he was surrendering and say, I don't know, I don't know, and then he would just leave the room. Yeah. <laughs> but we never went but, off the air. But somehow we went on the air, didn't we? Yes, It always seemed to work out. Yes. So this crazy, drunk criminal, okay, <laughs> was able to keep us on the air, Alleged. and the NFL wants you to believe that the radio broadcasts were interrupted by weather that actually wasn't occurring in the area that moment. It wasn't raining during that game. There was no lightning storm that was happening. So my point is this. Don't believe the NFL when they tell you that the radio headsets didn't work for some particular reason. Because I know lunatics that can make radio work. And I'm going to assume that people with a better background check than Merle had is actually running the radio broadcast in an NFL stadium on game day. I don't believe the NFL for a second. And in this particular case, and maybe I'm just jaded to the fact that the Patriots do cheat on some level, that they were cheating the other night. On some level, they were cheating. Was it gamesmanship? Was it the reason why the Steelers lost? Probably not. But I don't believe the NFL because I know enough engineers that could have gotten that broadcast up and running and you would never let them in your house. 
let alone run anything no. of importance. So I don't believe them. Well, the good news is that, Merle, if you're listening, I think there's a job for you up at Gillette Stadium. Oh, yeah. And, get her done. <laughs> and by the way, not to get completely on the side topic because I know we're running out of time, can we please do a show or a segment at some point about the total mutants that we've worked with? Can we tell about the guy that, was, glad so, to. that was so fat and he, he got up out of his chair so quickly to get cake, cake, ladies and gentlemen, that he blew out his knee? Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. No, I will about. do the mutant. Li- I will gladly do the mutant list. <laughs> I love talking about enormous inadvertent male genitalia. <laughs> I, I, I love Donald Trump. Uh, you know, it's almost Yom Kippur, and last year I spent Yom Kippur with Tim Tebow. I am certainly the only Jew on the planet that ever could ever make that claim. Wow. So, sure. you know, I've got, we've got a lot of things that have come out of this first show that I feel proud about. So do I. Okay, that's it. Talking Heads, we're done. We'll see you next week. Bye.